It's really a great pleasure to listen to everybody uh, talk this far. In my provocation, I'm going to be quite pedestrian. I'm going to talk about the fact that actually evidence doesn't change in many ways, and that particularly the pace at which we produce evidence doesn't need to change, or indeed can't change um, very much, if even in the face of artificial intelligence and all kinds of other wizzy things. So my role day to day is basically to use data to try and improve public services through building evidence bases. Um, I'm mostly interested in answering questions of the format, if I do X, what will happen to Y? Now that we can do this more quickly, either by changing the nature of the evidence that we're deploying, um, or the thing I'm more interested in is the way in which we build evidence around the effectiveness of artificial intelligence systems and what, the way that they work. Um, so the, this idea of, sort of moving fast and breaking things is predicated on the idea that we are capable of moving fast, uh, which I'm going to start in this agreement. So, you know, there are a lot of questions for evidence producers and, and others when we look at sort of an artificial intelligence system. And this, I'm looking, I guess, mostly at ones which are invaluable. So you know, there are system-wide things that are invaluable and just in the ones which can be you know, boxed up and deployed, the kinds of things that uh, Treasury or a government department or a local authority might say, I'm going to buy that and I'm going to deploy it to try and solve this particular problem. So, you know, the big question from a public service perspective is really, does it make things better? Um, where, you know, better is a very difficult thing to define often, but for the sake of arguments, carry on. Um, and so, you know, one of the issues with artificial intelligence, which we can tell ex-ante is that what it replicates and even magnifies or as someone said, creates a uh, bias in our decision making. So if we are, if we have a society that is structurally racist, sexist, homophobic, et cetera, it will tend to, to create those that can be used to magnify them. And um, it has this sort of amazing property of being able to create new biases out of, out of thin air by magic, um, which is quite impressive, if not necessarily desirable. The second question, which we're asking, asking when we're asking for data on, on this predictive system is, does it even do a good job in the past? So can we predict the past well, given data from even further in the past or contemporaneously? And again, the evidence that we have at the moment is that that's pretty mixed. So in children's social care, an area which is sort of very close to my heart, the quality of predictions that are made even contemporaneously in the past, so trying to use data from 2020 to predict other data from 2020, pretty a bad example, or 2018 data to predict other 2018 data, it doesn't work very well. And then there's sort of the third question, which is, so can we rely upon it to do good? Those are important questions, but they are secondary questions. So the most important question of science is really, so can I take this magic algorithm that you and your company have developed and deploy it to keep children safer, to improve grades, to stop crime, um, or are you just trying to sell me on the idea? And so the question is, can we find out the answer to this really question any faster because we've got sort of very fast uh, computers doing with banner exciting things? I think that, that is a question to which the answer is no. Um, so I'm going to take a case study, again, close sort of my heart, but sort of perhaps Hopefully these generalize what I think. So just say over the past 10 years in England, we've seen a doubling of the number of children that we take into state care, so take into foster care in the first year of their life. In Wales, over the same time period, we've seen that number triple. So lots of children are being removed from their parents in the first year of their life. Um, and in fact, a large number of children are being removed from their parents in the first six weeks of their life. So very, very early on indeed. And, you know, there's a lot to be talked about there, which will kind of move past. So let's say that 
Uh, we have a model which we can deploy on the date of a child's birth and use the data which we have prior to that. So this is data about their parents, data about the child when it was in, in the womb, data about how the birth went perhaps, uh, adjustments from the professionals um, who have been involved with the, with the family in the past, and also obviously data from previous children from the same parents. So let's take that. And we so we can predict which of those children are going to, are most likely to enter care in the first 12 months of their lives. Now, we're going to test this algorithm and we're going to give half of all the families that are giving birth in a particular area using the algorithm or one of the search of people working with the news of it. And the other half we're also RCT, ideology evidence. And I'm going to sort of, where, where can we tell at what point do we know this algorithm has worked? At what point can we say the effect of this on algorithm care is good or bad? Can we tell when the kid is born? So let's say we're going to intervene before the child is born. Um, we can then look at the model again and we can see you know, the, the estimated probability of them being removed from their parents in the first year of their life has gone down. Can we that at the point in which we can make the judgment that the algorithm has worked? It's like, no, it's not. Because A, the interventions themselves may be effective or ineffective. And B, we suffer from the Lucas critique, which is that we can't make predictions about the future based on a past that has been changed by those predictions. Can we take a look at one year so we can certainly see whether or not more children have been removed from their parents in the first year of their life when they're a year old. But the answer to that is still no, because removing a child from its parents is something we often forget when we're talking about it. So look, it's not still actually an outcome. It's the decision to roll out an intervention. If we were to take a more commonly used example, we could think about the deployment of radiotherapy to help patients. If we reduce the deployment of radiotherapy, that doesn't mean we've reduced the incidence of cancer. It may be just we've decided to not treat some people. And so, by leaving more children with their parents or need to take more children to care, we are changing the forecast risk, but we don't know whether we're not actually having an impact. The only trend which we can tell whether or not this deployment of this algorithm has had an impact is when the child is either safe from risk or has been tragically unsafe from risk. And that basically means we're waiting until they're 18. And that's a particularly long-term example because a child is a long-term example, but the fact is we cut the evaluation process and process of building evidence of whether or not these algorithms, any process we're using is improving things or making them worse, that cannot be rushed. It cannot be sped up just because we have something bliss bang and filter. Still, unfortunately, as I said, it's a very pedestrian provocation. Unfortunately, we, you know, we just have to wait. That's sort of the end of my, the end of my song because we can, we cannot rush the production of evidence. And so we have to be patient.